Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco and Kyle. Yes, sir. Have you ever DJed? Uh, no, actually, I've never DJed. I've always wanted to, but uh, I'm finding that uh, my particular uh, type of music I enjoy and enjoy playing at parties are not what most people enjoy listening to. You know, it, that's funny you say that. I, one time, now, you know, we haven't, in this season so far, I haven't pulled back in my own experiences that we normally have talked about in previous mm-hmm. seasons, but there was one uh, year, uh, my daughter, when she was in middle school, uh, we had I had accumulated all this different like lighting equipment and stuff we've done for various activities and stuff. And she's like, well, you know, my dad, the dance was coming up at the middle school. She's like, my dad will DJ it. So I go in, set everything up, had a really cool system. But what I realized was very quickly that when you just nailed it, <laughs> my musical tastes, even what I thought I knew of back then, five, six years ago, a middle schooler was not actually what middle schoolers listen to. So yes. that was exactly. just kind of awkward. Um, but it was it was interesting. But of course, when I did it, I was using a fully digital system. I was using iTunes, you know, all this different stuff. There's great apps that you can get on iPads and do this. But, you know, you think of something in the world of disc jockeying, especially even today, um, there is this technique called scratching. Sometimes it's referred to as scrubbing. It's a technique where you move the vinyl record back and forth when you're using vinyl records on a turntable to produce rhythmic sounds. This became a much bigger deal uh, in the 1970s with hip-hop music and then in the 90s with uh, rap rock, rap metal, new metal, a bunch of other genres. Here's the thing I didn't know. Scratching actually has its roots in the 1940s. Oh. And you'd say to yourself, wait, what are you talking about? So the whole technique of that manually moving a record on a turntable and listening and then, you know, and then obviously moving in a certain way, that's all from the original manipulation that that radio hosts would have to do to cue songs and jingles oh, when they were ramping. producing a live broadcast. Yes. You know, it's funny. I actually know something about this because I was taught to do this. Yes. <laughs> because uh, even though I went to college in the 90s, it turns out it was actually uh, set during the 40s. I actually was taught how to cue records, even though I, I knew people that worked at a radio station. Uh, no one was using records at that point, but yet my, my uh, communication class, they still taught us how to, how to cure it. It's called ramping. And that's yes. how, and, and, and also it's, you roll, you can teach you to roll it back. And also that's when you, DJ still do it down because there's a technique. Basically you have to go, you're listening to K104.1, your rock station. And then and that's when the, the first line of the song hits. So they right. taught us how to do that. So you would roll it back and then play it just so you'd have long enough the, the intro that you could say the name of the thing and like, you're listening to, you know, and have it and have your words end just as the first line of the song starts. It's exactly right. I mean, yep. like, and, and they had to do that with obviously ads and things like that. And you yep. didn't want to do it. You wanted to do it live like that so that there wouldn't be a difference. Like if you were, if you tried to do it, turning and turning the turntable on and off, you'd have that initial slowdown where the music mm-hmm. would come in and well, you don't want that. So you do scratching or yep. a rudimentary version of it to make that all happen. That's amazing. I had no idea. Like, okay, the, seriously, like all, 80 years ago, people yeah. were doing this. Right. Not for necessarily the reasons that we've seen in, in recent music, but I was amazed by that. Clearly, Tony Stark 
Uh, thinks he knows a thing or two about scratching. Yeah, he has a lot to learn uh, here at minute 54 of uh, Iron Man 2 from 2010. Uh, directed by Mr. John Favreau. Uh, one interesting thing about the record scratching thing, I believe, I'm trying to remember the name of the show now because I'm trying to help uh, I think it was The Get Down that was on Netflix. It only lasted a season or so. It was about the, mm. how, the basically the rise of rap music and stuff to it. And Fab Five Freddy was one of the, they, like, so they talked about some of the people that did that. And they actually had an episode where the guy showed how to do it and talked about the oh. whack. Wow. Like basically, like here's the like you find the, here's the good part where the song hits, and you have to roll it back this far onto the oh, yeah. thing, and then hold it, and then let it go right at the exact moment, so you know it'll hit right at that point, and that's when you bring up the thing. It was like I never I've I've seen people doing it, but I never understood what it was they were doing until right. they actually broke it down and like and like showed you with diagrams almost like here's where the good part of the song is, here's the whack, here's the bad part you don't want anybody to hear, and so you have to know. Like you have to just look at a record and know where it's going to be, and even we use like wax pencils or whatever to mark on the thing. To, yes, so, and then it would like you and you bring up the the slider just at the right moment so that it would it would hit, and then like the two songs would mix together. It's it's is it a skill and an art? No, it was. I mean, that was something you know. If you read about the early days in, the, in those days of radio when they would do this, they even helped shape the record industry. Mm. Because what all the different stations, you can imagine, stations were everywhere. Oh, yeah. And, all and those stations. You, you play the song, it's wearing down the album a little e bit. Exactly. But they would actually give feedback to the turntable manufacturers and say, look, this is what we need. We want you to make the table you know, heavier. We want you to make this change to the arm and the needle and the motor, the way the motor works. Like all of that feedback, this whole process is what helped to to expand the record industry. Like it's it's unbelievable. Like that kind of stuff. Go to Wikipedia. Go find it. You'll, be, <laughs> you'll go down a whole rabbit hole of of knowledge. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and the first season, I think they only did one season of The Get Down, uh, is on Netflix. It was one of the most expensive television shows ever made and uh, did not do incredibly well, but it's really, really cool, like the, the stuff they showed. So uh, I recommend checking that out, too. Uh, so we're picking up where we left off, which is uh, Tony and Natalie. Uh, They're hanging out, and she has uh, given him the watch. She's given him a drink. She's given him makeup. Uh, what more is there to give except for bad advice? Uh, so <laughs> he had. So Tony had asked uh, if this was your last birthday party you were ever going to have. How would you celebrate it? And so Natalie started the line in this one, and she continues it here in minute fifty four. Uh, she she says, "I do whatever I wanted to do with whoever I wanted to do it with." Whoa! Which, once again, continuing that like, is she? Did you mean? Are, are we, we still are we still that, having a party? Uh, Where's the party? <laughs> is the what? party downstairs or is it happening now? Am is I, she, but I mean, am I, get, am, oh, go am ahead, I about go to get slapped with a lawsuit? Because <laughs> she delivers am I about to get it. Slapped? Yeah. She, <laughs> well, I mean, good or bad, she she delivers it so mo like you can't you don't know I don't yeah. know what you mean yeah it's jeez like, I, are it's uh, um. So uh, we, we then we then transition to like we see like she walks out and Tony's fit, like downs his his martini, basically like steal himself over what comes next. Uh, and so uh, we have scene change and now uh, Tony Stark is in the Iron Man armor, drunk and scratching records. Yes. <laughs> so it's like oh no, <laughs> things have gone 
badly. Um, so uh, as we're going to get into some other stuff, uh, we have to then take a little pivot into a more serious subject yeah. here because uh, we have a lot of fun on this show, but some things are not funny, and one of those is uh, drug use. And so unfortunately, the DJ that we see here is an actual real, he was he was a real DJ named DJ AM. He's playing himself in this movie. Uh, he, he came to the set because the, the John Favreau had heard of him and used him, and everybody fell in love with him. He actually, between sessions, he was actually like playing music for all the extras. Like he had a little party going the whole time, and of course he he had to be silent when they were actually shooting. Uh, and he was actually showed John Favreau and uh, Robert Downey Jr. how he does what he does. He like taught them how to do DJ stuff, um, and they, everybody loved him. And unfortunately, two months after this, he had a massive drug overdose and and died. Uh, his name was Adam Michael Goldstein. Uh, so I didn't actually know much about him, uh, but I knew that this film, Iron Man 2, is actually dedicated to him. So I right. wanted to take a moment to dig in a little bit and find out like what was like who was this guy and what he doing. And obviously, nothing we can talk about is going to be well enough to do. But this just be a, a just a, a small bit, and maybe you can then, if you're interested, dig in. He had, there's a documentary they made about him. I could not find it streaming anywhere else. I would have sent you that way, um, but uh, it's out there. So. He started out uh, as actually a DJing clubs, and he joined a band called Crazy Town. Now, Crazy Town might not be familiar to somebody, but if you've heard the song Butterfly, then you know Crazy Town. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar, baby, that's Crazy Town. So he was a member of them, and then he sort of left that group and became like a professional DJ, which is what he always wanted to do, and was doing okay, and then he started dating Nicole Richie. So at this time, this is around 2001, 2002, um, she was one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Like, I know it's, it's a weird world we're living in now, but the, the early 2000s were just as bizarre. It's uh, amazing, so, yeah. So The Simple Life was the biggest show on the biggest network, which was MTV. Right. <laughs> and like everybody knew, even if you didn't watch it, you knew who they were because they were everywhere. So he started dating, and suddenly his profile then raised up equally, and then he started getting it. Now, obviously, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's because of that, but because it's it's the notoriety so like then suddenly who's this guy and then suddenly people got to hire him and unless you're good you don't get to keep getting gigs so if you're a bad dj <laughs> doesn't matter who you're dating right. you're not going to get any worse and by all accounts he was a good genius so much so that he actually got a gig at caesar's palace for a million dollars i mean for a dj like i mean that's like caesar's palace in vegas like he was the guy like he had to go there so um as he got bigger he actually uh formed up with Travis Barker, uh, and the two of them formed a group uh, that I, I really can't pronounce what it's called, but it's a TRV dollar sign DJAM. So yeah, I don't know what that means. To jam, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, this is what's always so strange to me about celebrity and stuff too is that he actually had at that point in 2008. This was two years before, actually. I would say probably a year before had just survived a, a fatal plane crash. Like yeah. he, like if they were on, they were flying uh, South Carolina on takeoff. The plane crashed. Everyone on board except for Travis and him were killed. So he yeah. had just like dodged death, and yet not not like barely two years later he would be dead. So strange how these things work out. Um, 
so he actually had been uh, had been uh, working uh, a lot of stuff. He had been involved with DJ Hero. Uh, he had actually start just started shooting a, an MTV show because he had been struggling with drug addiction his whole life, and so he wanted to document that. And so he actually had a reality show where they were doing that. Actually, so it was he was still shooting it when he died of a drug overdose. Uh, and so they actually had, did end up airing it just as sort of as a cautionary tale. Um, so he he was found two months after he shot this cameo. Uh, dead in his apartment of an overdose. Uh, and so they actually created a fund called the DJM Memorial Fund, uh, an organization designed to help people struggling with drug addiction. Uh, I, at this point, I don't think it's still going. I could not find anything online that says it's still around accepting money. But uh, if you are moved by his story or want to know more, I would d- d- uh, suggest that you reach out to your local community and find uh, drug rehab programs uh, to donate to or volunteer at because uh, they're, doing, they're doing the great work. Uh, we're just sitting here doing our silly little show about Marvel movie minutes, uh, but they're actually going out and helping people. And so, if we could avoid to have another one of these situations, that would be ideal. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. this film is dedicated to DJM. This episode is dedicated to DJM. Not that anyone cares, um, but uh, it, it's a it's a horrible scourge that's going on, and people need help. They don't need to be locked up. They don't need all this stuff. They need help, and this is what we're had to do. So. Let's get pivot back Let me, to wait, I just want, our silly I, little show. Okay, you, you know, say and I just want to say, I mean, that was outstanding. I mean, that's everything. Uh, yeah, his story about the plane crash is incredible. It's off of, yeah. like a Learjet uh, yeah. in um, South Carolina. It's amazing. Yeah, four uh, people pr- died. Yeah. yeah, four of the six. I mean, the, he and Travis were the two that survived. And their their group name, I know it's the dollar sign, but I think it is just Travis DJAM. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it's a take on that. That's what yeah. that probably is. No, it's, you know, I forgot. I honestly forgot about this. Because I remember hearing this, I think vaguely when the movie came out. Because obviously, again, this the movie comes out after he had he had tragically passed away. But you know, my daughter just the other day, you know, this whole weekend she's been watching Glee, and you know, you watch episodes oh, of Glee, yeah, and, and you watch now. episodes and you go, three of these people are no longer with us, yeah, and it is gut wrenching. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, especially in this, I mean, yeah, if anybody knows anyone who needs help, I mean. There are so many different great resources to go out and get help. And 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 obviously we realize that sometimes those demons just really sadly are out of our control, right? Like I mean, like mm-hmm. and we can just try to get all the help you can because really they are real and crazy. Uh yeah, it's just it's a bummer. You know, when you read the stories about um, I did read the thing where they had planned to do to shoot this scene in a day. And instead, mm-hmm. they extended it for a week. And yeah, he just yeah. had so much fun with the cast. He's teaching John Favreau how to how to you know DJ and stuff. And the skill, I will tell you this. I know people would say it's a DJ. What what's more to it? <laughs> well, let me tell you this. If you back in the day, right when I used to go different places and stuff with friends and everything, to to continue a vibe in mm-hmm. a hall of a thousand fifteen hundred people and to do it nonstop. For six hours, that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> DJing is a weird thing because you only notice it when it's bad. Yes, because yes. you think like, oh, you just put songs in a row. What's the big deal? No. Well, we've all been to weddings where the DJ was terrible, and like those ones stand out because you assume a level of competence, which means it's really freaking hard to do. Yes, it is very hard to do, and especially with like modern DJs today, especially if you're going to places like casinos or things like that. Yeah, they're mixing and mashing beats and things. And they're doing it to keep an energy that goes Mm -hmm. and to sustain that energy for an extended period of time and to do it well, people, this is hard. (laughs) You you have to have an incredibly interesting 
you know, uh, emotional and mental understanding of what people want to hear and then just have the technical prowess to like put it all together and make it happen in real time. Yeah. That's the part because they're literally going with the flow, the ebb and the flow of the people in the room. It's it takes a lot of talent. And yeah, no, just obviously yeah. all and, and and like you know just just for our our sake, uh he was basically between our ages. Yeah, he's 36. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, when he died, he, when he died. But I'm saying, like, like he was born, like you know, a little bit earlier than me and a little bit later than you. Oh like yeah, he would have been, you know, at this point he's oh. been our same age. Oh yes. Oh no, no. I know you're totally right. You know, yeah. you're absolutely right. Now, uh, uh, rest in peace. And yeah. and no, yeah, say, just, if if you want to, his stuff is still out there. So I mean, like, if yeah. you search on iTunes, if you search on uh, YouTube, uh, his his mixes are still out there. So you can see him doing what he was uh, put here to do. And unfortunately, absolutely. we got too little of it. Yes. Uh, so pivoting out of that, speaking of music, uh, the song that uh, uh, Tony Stark is, is scratching on here is California Love, uh, which is was a, a amazing collaboration between Tupac and Dr. Dre, which at the time was a huge deal. Like the fact that they got two of them on the same song, that stuff didn't happen in the 90s, but this one it did. It came from the 1996 album All Eyes on Me. Uh, it has a terrific music video, too, if you want to check that out. Um, so we immediately cut from the party to what's more exciting than a Tony Stark party? Party. It's the line of cars outside. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no wait. So, okay. No wait. Wait. Just a couple things. Just quick to slip sure. slip in there. So a few really neat things happen before we go to the the to the cars. So we see Tony. He's in his full suit. The suit the suit looks fairly bulky. Yeah. And I know that's because this is all a practical effect, and the suit isn't always a fully practical effect. No. Yeah. So this, this is one of the last times we'll ever see a full practical suit. Right, and so it does look a, looks a little bit weird because it's obviously a full-grown human is inside it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the first problem, right? But then, okay, I just love... We got two references here. Um, as he's playing the song, and Tony's just got this, like, you know, half-drunk smirk on his face. I love that he does a fist bump with DJ AM. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> yeah. dude, man, DJ AM acts it up totally because yeah. he takes the fist bump, but then he's like, ooh, ouch, Ooh, man, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> no, of course. It's, it's so great. I mean, it's it's perfectly acted, man. I mean, it's yeah. no, it completely sells it. And then you also have, you know, for those of you who listen to our uh, sort of like the preseason show about comic books and everything else, mm-hmm. we've talked about, they, they've mentioned in, in these things that Tony uh, loves the ladies. There's yeah. a whole bunch of ladies that, you know, are sort of uh, a part of him. Well, I think that's kind of the reference. We get the shot of all these oh, yeah. girls in, in different states of, yeah. of, of dress. Like, I think they're all blonde and all wearing little black dresses. Uh, yeah, they're not all blonde, but I mean, nope. yeah, there's, oh, there's, okay. a, there's a big variety here. But like, they're all they're all here for Tony. Yeah, I mean, it is just it's a little bit weird, but okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, and just craziness. Like, you know, there's some people in their bathing suits, and there's people in cocktail dresses. There's a lot of stuff going on. Because but I Rob, t- <laughs> California knows well, how to party. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so no, so I mean, I just think that's kind of funny. And then, and you know, obviously we've seen Pepper. Pepper has got her. Um, she's walked in uh, in the middle of all this, mm-hmm. and she sort of has a concerned face. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. meanwhile, out in the driveway, uh, we see a, a line of cars. We have Rodi is driving the 2008 Audi A8 LD3. 
I, I knew you all knew that, but I just wanted to make sure that you knew that I knew that. Uh, also, in that same shot, we have a 2008 Rolls-Royce Phantom Drophead Coupe. Boy, that Favreau loves him some Rolls-Royce, doesn't he? Well, he um, really does. 2000, there's a 2008 Maserati Gran Turismo. There is a 2005 Ferrari F30 Spider, and a 2007 Aston Martin V8 Vantage Roadster. So this is these are pretty high-end cars, and also pretty pretty new. Like these are all within the last couple of years. So, you know, he's attracting a rich clientele here to his party. They um, timelessly look expensive. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what that's saying. Also, too, we got I got to love the whole retro um, the look of this. And again, I like the geography and that we talked about the overhead shot as we were transitioning to this a few minutes ago. You see the fountain. So that fountain, that circular fountain, that's incredibly well lit and, and very 60s-ish is right there. Mm-hmm. And I love like the balls of light that are on the wall. Like it's just, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of concrete. It's a lot of glass. And just these really beautiful different ways of illuminating it all. It's it's gorgeous. If you're in so, if you're into that style, that contemporary style. True. So Rob, do you think that Tony Stark co-signed on the loan for Rhodey's car? Because Rhodey is a, a colonel oh. in the army. There's uh, yeah. There's there's uh, I mean to get a 2008 and this you know in 2010 essentially is when this this movie is taking place. That's a lot of money. We don't uh, know for, anything uh, about Rody's family. I, do I we? don't know about Rody. We don't know much about Rody's family or where his money comes from. But yeah, I'm just curious. Or do you think did Tony give it to him? It just seems like a pretty high end car for a. You know, wow. Now, now, now that being said, I'm going to do a small aside to just because I oh I, I can see these these uh, military guys are so they are cracking their knuckles like I'm going to tell you something. So yeah, I'm going to tell you a small story about my cousin. So he was working in the Air Force and so he was deployed out there and he was a cargo specialist. So basically he would uh, figure out like when you drop something out of a plane, where's it going to land? Not not bombs, but like all the other stuff like logistically. So that's what his job was. So he threw it. He flew in the big planes like the the the, the cargo planes and stuff too. And so while while he was deployed, he was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a brand new car. Like, I'm going to get a car. He's like, And so much so that he went to BMW and actually created his car from scratch. Like, he, like, went point by point. Like, this is what I want. Like, I want these wheels. I want these brakes. I want, like, he customized everything and then had it shipped from Germany all the way back over to Louisiana, which is where his home base was. So he said, and so he told me like, and he got it. And he, and as far as I know, he still has it. Um, but uh, he said, I just, you know, I, and I learned an important lesson. Never make financial decisions when you're not paying for rent or food or insurance. I was just going to say, <laughs> because I was going to like, got wait. back and suddenly like was homestead. It was like, Oh no, <laughs> no. Okay. You totally nailed it. My father would probably have something to say about this. Cause when my father was in the air force during the, the sixties yeah. that yeah, my father had a, a variety of Corvettes because oh. he'd get one and then he traded in for the next yeah. one. Right. Like, yeah. because there were he, there were no other expenses, right? <laughs> so there is a little bit of yeah that that could very well be. Well, and here's the thing. Well, this is an interesting dive, like on the character as we've sure. seen Rhodey as portrayed in this, right? If Tony, first of all, if Tony offered to say here have this car, I would wouldn't think Rhodey. Yeah, I would say no. He wouldn't yeah. take it. He wouldn't accept yeah. it. Yeah, I'd say probably not. So he there's actually, more. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just it, as we were talking about it, it, suddenly occurred to me like. I wonder if he's like a guy. Is he just doing well for himself? Does he just really like nice things, or is that he's hanging out with a guy who makes a lot of money and he's okay with you know sponging off him, kind of like wait, I am with you? 
interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Jesus, seriously. <laughs> interesting. Well, interesting opportunity, though, to tell an interesting story because, okay, you have the shot that you were purposely showing cars coming up. Yeah. You have all of these cars that are obviously very expensive. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it have been interesting to have him show up in like a Honda Accord? Right. Well, yeah. yeah and you didn't. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't work for Lockheed Martin. You know, he works for the United States military. Well, unless, unless oh. you're, you know, I, even I say, I mean, I say maybe, maybe we can have uh, some of our, our uh, fans in uniform tell us more. But like, I don't even think like, even like a, a full bird colonel or a general really makes that much. I, I mean, I'm not, of course, not in the millionaire thing, but like, uh, is it is it a comfortable living? Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I. I'm I'm curious. Like I don't know. I always see when whenever they show on NCIS, like the the generals and they're all living in pretty nice houses. Yeah, but the is it the is it the houses that they bought or is it the were bought for them? Uh, see, you're now it's all more. Oh, tell it. We need feedback. Yeah, we That's do. something we totally would love to discuss more. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Rody is speaking of commanding officers. Rody is on the phone with his. Uh, so, I assume whatever his immediately supervisors is, is it General Ross? No, General Ross is in Brazil right now. Uh, <laughs> or at least making, probably making he's in a van with the body bag. Yeah, he's in <laughs> yeah, a van. So right, he's in a van uh, yeah, yeah, yelling at his, uh, his, uh, his new British friend. Um, uh, so, he's, so, obviously, it's, it's not going well. And so, Rody is saying, Yes, sir, I understand. No, no, sir. That will not be necessary. I'll handle it. Which I, I, I'm trying to figure out what the what is happening on the other side of this right. thing. Um, which once again, there like we, we talk about like you know when you know you can't handle the truth as like big acting stuff, but like this acting stuff that you have to do as a, as a professional actor is really hard, and it's 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 you only notice it when it's done badly. Phone acting is hard because you're just pausing and having to do it again, and you have to be like, no, no, I get, listen, I just. Can you can I can I just finish the uh, you know and there's nothing on the other side you have to right. be able to like sell it as if there were they, they, they have to fill in the other side of the conversation um, so uh, says so no sure that one I was there so what was not necessary like we're gonna come in this is though he's talking about like rolling tanks down the PCH this is we're gonna storm Stark Manor and take all of the the, the suits um, he says no that was not necessary I'll handle it sir I personally guarantee that within 24 hours Iron Man will be back on watch oh that's a pretty bold statement <laughs> back on watch so back on watch I, I'm not familiar with that phrasing I mean oh, like, back on watch like, is, yeah, is like, that on base, the, like he's on on task on, yeah in the field yeah he's, yeah. he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do that's yeah. gonna take a lot of coffee dude i mean okay he doesn't know what's going on inside those doors yet wait until he gets in there oh boy yeah uh so as we see him enter the party as like we see just various party goers around having their you know doing their party business uh because you know you really know it's a great party when you're standing by the entrance (laughs) i'm just happy i got invited (laughs) well now okay so are you getting now now when he walks in and we get this full shot of uh, again a whole bunch of uh, attractive ladies in, yep. in the cocktail dresses. Do you notice something though about the two gentlemen that are standing with them? I had not. They are in uniforms. Oh, private security. Well, they're no. It looks like military dress uniforms. Oh. I was a little confused by this, and I couldn't find anything about this. Both oh. gentlemen, they have one bands on their on their coat uh, cuffs. Okay, and it looks like they have name badges and maybe some other military insignia on their coats. Now it's way too far away to get in there and decide what it is, but 
I thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, it makes sense, though, because Tony's only been out of the mil- of the weapons business for a year at this point. Right. So he would have lots of friends and contacts in all the different branches and things. And these might be just be friends, associates yeah. and stuff, and they're there. Right. Interesting. Okay. I, there's a lot There's a lot you could derive from them being there. So as Rhodey is, is walking in, then uh, he sees Pepper, who looks not that happy. So she goes out and he says, hey, Pepper. And she says, I'm going to get some air. And Rhodey's like, what's wrong? And then there's a weird edit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get into exactly why that is, because this scene was vastly rewritten and reshot. Uh, and there's, I think we're going to get one or two uh, things that we're going to discuss, the deleted scenes that we were able to find. But even John Favreau talks about this. And so I believe they shot this whole thing and then went away and they came back in the reshoots right. and redid all of this stuff. And I think that's where, where DJAM actually came in was during the reshoots. Uh, and so oh. the... So there's because if you're if you look really really carefully uh, as you're as you're looking you'll see that Pepper is holding something Uh, as she walks back it's just under frame they cut it just right but you can see she's actually holding something and you see it pop up a little bit in the frame and we're going to talk about what that is uh, in a future minute as we get to sort of to the end of this sequence we're going to talk about what the alternate version of this sequence is I I think it's a box of tissues (gasps) oh a box of tissues interesting. So like crying her tears as she watches him with Natalie. <laughs> I, oh, oh. oh, replace me with a younger model. Oh, wait in, gonna happen. just wait until we get to the next minute because <laughs> I have some things to say about Pepper Potts. Let uh, me just put it okay. all out there right okay. now. Uh, now, okay, so this so ends. As this weird edit goes, then all of a sudden right. she, Pepper goes from leaving to then going back in the, instantly with Rhodey. Because we hear, <laughs> well, we hear in this edit to cover the edit, there is yeah. a sound of glass breaking. Yeah. And then, and then there's yes, we see, we cut from that to a weird shot of then of her coming into view. Yeah, and then basically like happy. gesturing to like everything that's going on, and she goes, "I don't know," and that's where yeah. the minute ends. So something bad's about to happen. Something bad is going to happen. Yeah, uh, to all of us, we're to- all going to equally suffer together here. <laughs> So the sign of any good party is the party favors you get to take home. And if you enjoy the party that we're throwing here in the Marvel Movie Minute, you can get your own party favors over at nextreel.com slash merch. Yes. That's right. We've got our own merchandise. We've got our logo. You can slap it on anything. You can, you can put it on a mask, on a shirt, on a mug, on a sticker, whatever you want to. Show that you have shown up to this party to all your friends, and maybe they'll come and join the party as well. You Ooh, know what we should get? We, it would be nice. We should get red cups. Oh yes, with the lo- oh. red and gold cups. Ooh. Red. Oh. Ooh, maybe even. Do we get? Can we get something etched? Like, can we get like a stein? Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm on that. I'm, tr- I was, I'm. I'm already trying to think of what pun I would put on it. <laughs> you just buy the stuff. Ain't no party like a Stark party because a Stark party is powered by arc reactor. No. Yeah. Ooh. There's something in there. Yeah, there's something, but just in the meantime... We're on all the socials. Come up with a better tagline than us, and we'll put it on a logo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the we're going to find out what horrible thing is happening on the other side of that. We do uh, the reaction cut over at 55, so do not miss it. Uh, we will see you. We will be there. This is a party you do not want to miss. Enough said. Bye. Bye.